Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. The federal loan program that was supposed to help small businesses during COVID-19 isn't helping as many in communities of color, like in East Oakland, along International Boulevard, where only 5% of businesses got a loan last year. This loan was supposed to be accessible to every small business owner, and it just wasn't. Today, how businesses in East Oakland have struggled to apply and get loans during the pandemic. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Back in April of 2020, the U.S. Small Business Administration provided $700 billion worth of funding for a program that was supposed to help small businesses. Aditi Bandamudi is a Silicon Valley reporter for KQED who worked on this story in collaboration with Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting. It's called the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, Um, and it basically consists of the federal government giving businesses a loan that's fully backed by the government to basically help pay bills when money isn't coming through because businesses had to shut down. The SBA, or the Small Business Administration, gave banks the role of sort of doling out these loans to local businesses. All kinds of banks, including like fintech companies, were allowed to distribute PPP loans. They were um, Small Business Administration approved lenders. And of course, you know, the big banks like JPMorgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, they doled out the most number of 
of loans because they were they're the biggest banks. Um, but we even saw small banks, credit unions uh, approving some of these loans and, and giving them out. So business owners would go to their bank um, or to any bank in their community and then apply for the loan through them. And so for your story, what did you set out to do? Why, why did you focus on International Boulevard in East Oakland? International Boulevard is one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the Bay Area. Um, I mean, I must have passed by like a dozen Mexican banderias and like Vietnamese nail salons and black barber shops and, um, and grocery stores and bodegas. And Reveal with the Center for Investigative Reporting did this big investigation about who got PPP loans and who didn't. And I wanted to look at a local angle of which neighborhoods in the Bay Area got help from the PPP program and which neighborhoods were left out. We saw something really disturbing when we looked at the data, which showed that basically businesses in largely white neighborhoods received loans at a far greater rate than those in neighborhoods with significant minority populations, particularly predominantly Latinx neighborhoods or predominantly Black neighborhoods, or depending on whether you're in the North Bay or the South Bay, Asian neighborhoods. In East Oakland, we can see a really great example of this disparity. If we look on International Boulevard, which has more than 300 businesses, only 5% of those got loans. If we compare that to Montclair, which is a predominantly white neighborhood, and it's not too far, it's out in the Oakland Hills, out of the 405 businesses in that area, 49% got help. So the one thing to keep in mind is that the Small Business Administration didn't provide Reveal with data on how many people applied for this program. We don't know how many people applied and who got rejected. All we know is who got loans. Yeah, I apply many times uh, for SPA and PPP loan. I was able to talk to one business owner. His name is uh, Farid Ahmed Bakhtari, and he owns Yummy Grill, this Afghan kebab shop that's in between a strip mall and King Street on International Boulevard. He applied for the PPP loan through Chase Bank, which was his choice bank. He's done business with them many times before. He applied three different times and was declined oh, well, each time. But what's, I don't know, those businesses, 300, 400 business businesses, What's the difference between me and them? They get it, we not. So he was trying to apply for these loans to basically keep his business afloat. And after getting rejected three times, he had to close one of his businesses down temporarily. And now he doesn't really trust big banks anymore. Some of these big banks, I think it's, it's not helping the small businesses. They're helping the big, big businesses. He was eventually able to get approved for a loan through Lendio. It's a Utah-based small business specialist. It's like a fintech company. Um, he was able to get a PPP loan through them. Um, and he's hoping that his business can survive. Now he's just sort of ready for the pandemic to be over. He wants people to start coming by. Um, Farid is really hoping that businesses start to open up again and that foot traffic starts to happen around his shop. Hopefully there's a light on the, you know, the end of tunnel. So hopefully the vaccination is get over and people get trusted to come out and, and spend some money. And, and you know, I'm uh, hoping. 
What did you hear from other business owners about what made it so hard to apply for PPP loans? When I spoke to some business owners, they were confused as to what the program was. They were nervous to take out a loan from the banks because they were already distrustful of them or nervous that they wouldn't be able to pay it back. And they felt like they didn't have enough information to make an informed decision about it. Language is also a really big deal when it comes to why people didn't apply for this loan. I mean, even as I walked through International Boulevard, even just trying to talk about this program, I ran into so many business owners who didn't speak English and had a hard time talking about the loan itself. Um, and, and that's a really big problem. We need people who can translate. We, uh, we are afraid to sign something and at the time, by the time pass, it's going to get us later. I spoke with a cafe owner, Laura Hernandez. She runs Romo's Cafe. So my, my dream was to have a coffee shop because I worked for 15 years in, um, in kitchens, like uh, coffee shops, um, restaurants. Uh, the kitchen of the university in Berkeley. It's in that same neighborhood where only 5% of businesses got a PPP loan. Her business was doing really well before the pandemic. They had worked really hard. Her and her sister had worked really hard to get their business right off the ground. And um, right before the pandemic started, their business was doing so well that they had opened up another location in Hayward. So we embase a lot of money here. Like, by the time we, we finished, it was when the COVID started. So when the pandemic hit, they had to close down their coffee shop eventually because people just weren't coming through. There wasn't a steady stream of customers. And then how, what kind of help did, did Laura get? Well, Laura is not a native English speaker. Um, Spanish is her first language. And it was really difficult for her to navigate the whole application. So she asked her 26-year-old son, Mario, to help her navigate the whole thing. And it was even confusing for him. Like all the business lingo, all the like contract lingo, like anything that's to do with grants and loans, like I have to look up terms and I have to like learn myself because... No, I don't do this stuff on my usual as well. And I can only imagine my mom trying to figure out. When you think about Farid's and, and Mario's and Lara's stories, what do you think they say about, uh, about the bigger story that you reported on and the hardships that small businesses are facing? I think this story brings out a few factors. Number one, this loan was supposed to be accessible to every small business owner, and it just wasn't. In fact, this program and how loans were doled out shows a lot of cracks within the system. So as soon as we saw that the government was going to run the program through the banks, we knew that there was going to be a problem for these small business owners. I talked with Paulina Gonzalez-Brito from the California Reinvestment Coalition. She's their executive director. The California Reinvestment Coalition, also called CRC, is a fair lending advocate. 
Paulina talks about how if there aren't banks in the community that you live in, you're not going to go to those banks. I mean, I think a key to serving our communities is these big banks actually, one, being in our communities, they're often not. Right. They're closing branches and, um, you know, in communities where we are, that they have products and services that are accessible to our communities. They're in languages that we speak and they have people that look like us. This is a story about geography and where you live, basically dictating how well you will do. And when you think about you know, a year from now. What, what does this story mean for what communities like East Oakland will look like as the Bay continues to reopen? When I was on International Boulevard, there were a lot of really fun shops and music playing, and it was really, it was really nice to walk around that area. But every other store I walked by was covered by metal gates and had a boarded up sign on it. And these neighborhoods will not be able to survive if they're not given support. I mean, talking to Laura, I feel like I got a really good sense of how she's feeling, which which is not good. I mean, she had poured her whole life and dreams into this cafe and running this cafe and it becoming this big thing. And now she's not so sure that that can happen. My whole family, my boys, we work for 11 years. Getting up at three in the morning, going set up the stand, be there for like twelve hours, save for that, and and it was going to be gone, and that's nothing we 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 can do. So as so I say, I prefer to uh, to give up than to have more uh, more uh, payments. Now this is a business that she's taken on and she's hoping that it survives, but she's really scared and she doesn't know what the future looks like. It no longer feels exciting. It feels really daunting and scary. And I have talked to a lot of business owners over the course of this pandemic, people who have had to close their businesses, people who have had to scale back, and the future is not exciting for them anymore. When we look at the road to recovery from this pandemic, when we look at future financial struggles um, that, that we may run into, that we will eventually run into, this is only going to happen again if we don't change something. On March 30th, President Joe Biden signed a law extending the Paycheck Protection Program. Businesses can still apply for loans from now until May 31st. Aditi says she plans to continue looking into the program, including who got these loans through other financial institutions like credit unions and financial tech companies. Thanks to Aditi Banlamudi for reporting this story in collaboration with Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting. We'll link to this story in our show notes where you can also see a map that shows PPP loan rates in your part of the Bay Area. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montesilio. Shaylin Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. Also, before I let you go, I just want to say to everybody who pledged during our special two-week fundraiser for the Bay, 
Thank you so much from Alan and ECG, Issa, Shaylin, and me. It really means a lot that you're supporting the work that we're doing here, and we'll continue doing it for you. The Bay is made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.